Welcome to the Center in the City podcast. I'm your host, Wade Brill, and during this series, I'll be interviewing various thought leaders, wellness experts, and humans on how they practice sustainable self-care and mindfulness. We'll get real and raw, talk about the light and the shadow side of self-care and mindfulness, and how we can actually stay centered amid the chaos and the hustle and bustle of our modern day world. So settle in and get centered. This podcast episode is brought to you by Centered in the City, a virtual on-demand self-care and mindfulness platform with over 200 different meditations, journaling prompts, nourishing recipes, and Pilates flows, all designed to support you feeling calm, focused, and energized as you live your life in this modern day world. For more information, head on over to centeredinthecity.org and claim your seven-day free trial. Welcome back to the Centered in the City podcast. Today, I am doing a solo episode around travel, how we get to practice. Again, practice is always important to emphasize here because it's never about us being perfect, but how do we practice being centered, and feeling our best while traveling. I'm going to take this topic and turn it into three themes that we're going to break down one by one in how I think about it. So we're going to explore packing and preparing for trips, nourishment while traveling, and then our rituals and our itinerary while we're on the road whether for work or play or for both. Let's settle in and let's get centered. Let's kick it off with packing and preparing for trips. I'm a big fan of packing in a carry-on, rolly carry-on, and then depending on how long I'm going for, I will either bring a backpack or I have kind of this weekend bag that I use as my personal carry-on, kind of like a big purse that is great for putting in things that don't fit in my carry-on, i.e. shoes or my toiletry bag. I use this trick whether I'm going away for two weeks, three weeks, a month, When you kind of pass the week-long trip, the 10-day trip, it kind of all is the same. So I've learned to narrow things down. And every time I've gone away in the last few years, I say to myself, you need even less, Wade. Because that scarcity mind while I'm packing of, oh, I might want this extra dress or this jumper or this sweater comes in. And I think I can shove it into my bag and make it fit and I'll be happy that I have it. And sometimes I am, but when I unpack after a trip, I realize, wow, there are a lot of things in here I didn't even wear (laughs) and they just slept all across Europe with me or they just spent a month in Mexico with me or whatever it is. So my packing strategy before a trip, I start to think about it. You know, I spend time looking at the weather I try not to let packing over consume me because there are people that will spend hours upon hours packing and I don't like packing to feel 
like it's this huge thing that is really anxiety producing. Instead, I like to try to have fun with it. So I'll try to pack a few days before my trip with a first version where I start to go through my closet, maybe try on some things, remember, you know, what bathing suits I like right now or what feels good in my body or what I'm inspired to make outfits with. And I'll start to just kind of scan my closet and think about those things and then put them off to the side so that I have a narrowed down version of what I want to pack. What works for me is thinking about a travel outfit. So when I say travel outfit, I think about what's really cozy, what's easy to travel in. Sometimes I want to wear a jumper and then I think about wearing a jumper while traveling and I'm like, that sounds like a nightmare to try to go to the bathroom and take off all the layers and da 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 da. That's not the kind of travel outfit I want. I want something that's easy, that's cozy, that's cute, doesn't make me feel schlumpy, but yet, you know, I'm also embracing the travel look. This outfit is usually some combination of Lululemon Align Pants. If you haven't tried them, they're like butter. They're super thin, cozy, yet really flattering looking. I, I like the high rise cut. I'll match that with some sort of tank top that has a built-in bra so I don't have to deal with the bra situation. And then a sweater or my light jacket and a scarf. A scarf is key for me because my neck always gets really cold when in air conditioning and I try to keep it as protected as possible and also scarves act as a great blanket or little pillow if you end up needing something. Depending on the weather, it being spring now, I'll wear you know a lighter, more linen-based cotton scarf so it's versatile, it's easy to travel with. And in the winter, I'll wear more cashmere or wool scarves. Obviously, those aren't the best to travel in 70, 80 degree weather. Now, having a travel outfit is really key because it is an outfit when I'm packing minimally that I know is just kind of dirty. It's like whatever I'm wearing traveling, I don't typically wear throughout the other days because to me, traveling, sitting in airplanes, trains, buses, cars, like you sweat and the seats are not necessarily the cleanest and it's just collects a lot of germs from being out in the world and so for me it's like okay that is the specific outfit I will travel in when I'm especially bouncing around uh, every few days in new cities or traveling to different places and I want something before I can do laundry. This now allows for whatever else I packed to be specifically what I get to wear and enjoy on my days of my trip. And so it kind of creates this like freedom and exploration in limited wardrobe. Now there's some people that love traveling in jeans and with jeans and jeans is their primary base pant that they wear. I can't do it. For me, jeans take up a lot of space in my really small carry-on I'm definitely not wearing them when I'm flying for five plus hours. So I typically don't wear jeans. What I do think about are jean-like 
pants that have some more structure to them than just leggings. They're also lightweight, so they roll easily to fit into my bag, and they're super cute and able to dress up for dinners or be casual for everyday pants. So I'll typically pack about two to three of those. I realized this trip that I probably packed one too many, so I could probably just get away with two. And then I like to think about what are some cute, casual day dresses, kind of sundresses that I could walk around comfortably in, that I also could dress up for cute dinners. I'll pack about two to three of those. If you're going on a trip for a wedding or for a specific bigger occasion or a work event and you know you need some nicer, high quality dresses or outfits, Make sure you're packing those. So for instance, on this recent trip to Portugal, we were having two different weddings, Portugal and in Philadelphia. And so I had to think about what are those multiple night events that require a little bit more dress up. Those definitely took up space in my bag, but again, those were a huge purpose of why we were traveling. And so sometimes you just have to pack the things that you necessarily wouldn't pack on a trip but for special occasions you know you want that dress or you want that specific outfit. I think there's this pressure out there when we're traveling. I say we as in humans traveling in this modern day world of social media where we feel like we need to have different outfits for different photos, for different places, and have a variety of things to be able to post. I know that went through my mind, and I don't even really care about that shit. And I laughed when it went through my mind. I was like, wow, this is a modern day conundrum that we face. Side note to this, I just saw this Instagram reel about this couple showing like 12 different ways a couple could learn how to pose for their travel photos. And I just chuckled and laughed because like, wow, are we really needing, and again, we as in human population needing these tutorials of how to pose in photos <laughs> like what where are we let's all come down to a grounded present world and just hopefully be our authentic selves all right enough with my side note rant so when thinking about packing I welcome you to think about like what is going to make you feel most comfortable and see if you can drop some of that pressure that you have to look good in all of your photos. It's okay. Like you want to be comfortable. You want to feel like your authentic self. You want it to be easy. You know, when you're traveling, you are carrying literal and figurative baggage and so you want to simplify it all so that you can feel more present that being said I totally get it you want to feel good when you're traveling and clothes can help us feel good they can help us feel comfortable they can help us feel cozy they can help us enjoy walking places when we have comfortable shoes and a tire or feel more confident if we're going out or to a dinner or dressed up. So I get that clothes play a role in our expression. But keep it simple 
and see if you can take some of that pressure off of yourself, especially if, if it's social media driven because that's BS. So just laugh if that comes up and let it go. I noticed that I ended up gravitating towards like three outfits because they were the most comfy and cute and versatile. And one of them was this short jumper outfit that has pockets. And so it just feels easy to throw on. I don't have to wear a bra if I don't want to. And it's cute and it's comfortable to sit in if we're driving around or easy to walk in. And then with a cute little sweater. So that was one outfit. Another outfit was with these pseudo jean pants and rotating tank tops and a sweater if I needed it or a button down. And then of course, I spend a lot of my time in activewear. So biker shorts and a tank top with a built-in bra and some sweater. So it's sporty, it's comfortable, I can move in it. And that feels really good as I'm adventuring around. I laugh because the dresses that I brought, I was like these cute little sundresses I thought I was going to love to walk around in. I didn't really end up wearing. So it's just funny what we think we're going to end up wearing and what we actually feel comfortable and want to end up wearing in the moment. Packing, keeping it simple, right? Keeping it simple. So that means when you're packing your toiletries, We sometimes have to let go of all of the comfortable creams that we use in our evening routines or all of the face mask or all the things, right? And just keep it simple. Bring it down to your staples. Really ask yourself, what are you going to use? What do you need? Have just the basics there. Going away for a long time, so over a week, I highly recommend bringing nail clippers and a nail filer just to use on hand because you never know when something's going to break or you're going to just want to kind of clean up your nails and feel good, especially if you don't have time to get a manicure. I made the mistake of getting a manicure before going out of town thinking, oh great, you know, I have multiple events. I want to feel good about having my nails done. Well, a week into the trip, they start peeling and of course I don't carry the same nail polish with me. So they ended up just kind of getting gross. I didn't have nail polish remover. I didn't want to buy nail polish remover. So I just let it crumble and I felt a little embarrassed around my nails. So for the future, I'm going to make sure I actually have no nail polish on or clear if anything. And that way I can just do easy maintenance while on the road. Let's talk about nourishment, shall we? So nourishment for trips begin for me way before the actual trip begins. About a week, five days prior to leaving, I always look at what's in my fridge and think about what needs to be eaten or processed or stored or given away or let go of. This supports my value in not food wasting and also supporting me saving money and eating fresh food as best as I can, especially before I go on a trip where it's really hard to know when's your next broccoli or salad going to be. I'll try to be really mindful about eating at home as much as I can because I know I'll be on the road and eating a lot of to-go food and I want to have as much home nourishing cooking as possible. 
I'll think about what fruits and vegetables will I not be able to cook before I leave and can I juice any of those and enjoy those nutrients before they go bad as well as before I leave for my trip. And then I pack for myself on the plane leftovers, a salad. I made a frittata with all of these vegetables before I left. Um, maybe making a lentil pasta and adding roasted vegetables and bringing that on the trip. So I'll plan a meal to take with me on the plane so that I Again, having clean food, not wasting money at airport food, which is not the best. It's gotten better over the years. But if you can plan ahead and be able to have something fresh, that just keeps me sustained as long as I can. It's great to think about creating snack packs, of course. However, you want to be mindful that if you're going international, like I was, you can't bring nuts, you can't bring fruit across the lines. So bars are okay, but I typically don't love bars in general. So sometimes I'll make sure to grab a Lara bar or a Cliff bar, which I know is not great for you, but sometimes it feels like a quote-unquote healthier Snickers bar, you know, and have a peanut butter flavored Cliff bar. So it feels more like a sugary treat. I'll sometimes pack those with me, but if I can, I will try to bring some of my energy balls, the recipes on Centered in the City. I love those, put those in a little Ziploc bag and take them with me. They don't last that many days because I'll typically gobble them up but they're nice to have to at least kickstart the trip. I will also carry with me my water bottle, refillable water bottle. And this is so clutch because I get so thirsty and planes and travel dehydrate us more than we know. I'll fill up my water bottle before leaving the house so it's a challenge that I have to drink it all before getting to security that way I know I'm getting a big dose of water then I'll fill it up when I get through security so that I already have my water filled before getting on the plane because sometimes getting beverage service is delayed or it's another hour plus and I want to stay as hydrated as possible yes for those that Go to the bathroom a lot. I know you need to be mindful of how much you're drinking, but to me, it's so important to stay as hydrated as possible. If you're somebody who gets sick of just drinking plain water, I love these hydration packages from Needed. I'll link them in the show notes. They have really fun flavors. They also are full of electrolytes, so they are really helpful to travel with to keep you hydrated and balanced so that you're not just drinking plain water because sometimes too much plain water can overhydrate us and we're not as balanced especially if like our nutrients and what we're eating is off so it's nice to have the electrolytes and to have the minerals to help keep our system balanced on airplanes you know sometimes I'm like oh this is fun I'm gonna get a ginger ale or I'm going to international like enjoy a glass of red wine I never spend money on an airplane for alcohol to me it's not worth it it makes me feel gross it's yeah it just to me is not worth it 
However, some people, that is a fun part of traveling. So, you know, listen to your intuition and what feels good for you. If I do get a ginger ale, sometimes I'll like have a glass of it and then I'm like, okay, my teeth are already hurting because this is so sweet and I don't finish the rest and I don't make myself finish the rest. And I know that feels a little counterproductive to my value of not food wasting, but I think there's a balance and also I think there's this you know, portion control around sugar, especially when it comes to soda that our country is just bonkers with. And sometimes cans are just too big, in my opinion, for what we actually need or what feels satisfying enough. So if you need permission to know that you don't have to finish the drink that you ordered, may you take this as permission to not finish it, that you get to listen to your own body of what it wants. Let's talk supplements and green powders and protein powders and all those things. I am not one of those people that travel with Ziploc bags of all of all of the things. One of the enjoyments of traveling for me is being able to let whatever environment I'm in, let that let those nutrients be the nutrients that my body's receiving. I think if I depend too much on snacks and powders and all of the things from my home cabinet, I'm not going to feel as present in the city or country or town or place that I'm traveling in. Now there's a balance. If you have specific things that you know you cannot live without, great, bring them along with you. For me, I brought my vitamins, which I debated, like, do I even need to carry these? And I was like, you know what, Wade, take them. Your body is going to enjoy having some more nutrients and support with being around all the germs. So I took them and I'm really glad I did. I was very consistent for the first half of the trip on taking my vitamins daily and then not so consistent in the second half and that is okay. But I'm really glad I still took them. And I actually felt really good having them. And again, I use Needed's Women's Multivitamin, which also has their omega-3. And I'll link those also in the show notes. But I don't travel with collagen protein or green powders or any of that stuff. I let that go. Would I feel better if I had them? Maybe. I don't know. I haven't really tried. But I will tell you, it feels more like a burden to bring them along and pack them than it does inspiring. So I say no to them. But you do you, boo. And just trust that you can get enough nutrients when you are traveling. It is hard to get fresh vegetables in, but with intention, you can get them in. To be completely honest, I used to get really anxious traveling, this was years ago, but traveling because one of the things that would be most readily available in the form of nourishment were sandwiches. And I got really anxious around having a lot of bread. My body does not love yeast. It's not really about the carbs. It was more about the yeast. My body does not love yeast. And it just felt like it wouldn't feel good. But now I actually crave sandwiches and I've learned to soften around the bread intake and recognize 
the balance it gets to play. And again, sometimes you don't have to eat both sides of the bread. You can make it an open-faced sandwich and enjoy it just as much if that is something that helps you feel like you can enjoy that type of food as well. Usually in the first 24 hours of traveling, I try to keep food as simple as possible because my system is usually off, right? Sleep is off, whether you've taken a red eye or not. I'll circle back to red eyes in a moment. Water intake is off. You know, what you're eating is off. So just having a lot of compassion for your body system that it's going to take a few days to find equilibrium again and know that's completely normal and know that you will find that normal again. Sometimes I can notice this relationship with my body when I'm traveling of like, oh, I haven't gone to the bathroom and I feel really off and it's making me not hungry and I'm not feeling present and I'm feeling really bloated and I'm starting to feel like itchy and kind of anxious in my skin. And, and so when that's happened as a pattern over and over again, I've learned to give myself a lot of grace and just see it as, oh yeah, this sometimes happens when I'm traveling and to just know that my body is going to work itself through, that I don't have to get mad at my body or anxious at my body, but just to give it space to recognize, oh yes, and she will find her way through literally and figuratively. Now in staying places for a longer time or doing longer travel, I highly recommend breaking travel up with Airbnbs. So what I mean by that is like being able to have a place where you have access to a kitchen, your own fridge, balancing long trips with also cooking at home to the best of your ability to me has been a really nice balance. It's allowed me to enjoy food when we go out and try new restaurants and it's also allowed me not to get sick of going out so that things still taste fresh and delicious and exciting. I've noticed those trips where I go out for every meal, it starts to feel kind of like a burden to go out and it feels heavy and it it just doesn't feels enjoyable in my mouth as well as in my body and so balancing going out because I love to go out to try new restaurants to have that sense of excitement and to also know that my body's craving something new is really special to enjoy and I also want to keep it really boring and basic for some of my other meals. I used to have this belief that when I was traveling like Every restaurant I went to and every cafe I stopped in and every bakery and every gelato shop and whatever, whatever, had to be the best of the best. I had to do all of the research and make sure that, you know, every bite I was having was coming from the best place. And sometimes I still do that to a certain extent, but I'll pick one to focus on because I've noticed that if I get too attached to finding the best, it's entering the striving mentality that then puts this control grip on the trip. It puts more of control on my food. It puts control on where I'm spending my money. And it feels more constricting than inspiring. It allows me, when I, when I can let that soften, it allows me to actually connect to my intuition and that kind of wandering mind and hands and body when you're traveling, right? When you're just wandering those streets and want to stay open to, ooh, this shop looks good, let me go in, or ooh, this bakery looks delightful. It might not be the best croissant on the block, but 
It's something that my senses in that moment get attracted to. So finding that balance for me has been really helpful in finding some food freedom while traveling and also supporting that itinerary freedom that I'll talk about in a moment as well. Okay, last tips within the nourishment section. When staying at Airbnbs, I love going to grocery stores in foreign countries. It's so fun to see how things are laid out and to try new things and and to see how they have, you know, different concoctions of ingredients. For instance, in Portugal, I was mesmerized by the salad mix that came in a bag. You know, if you go to the store and see a salad mix, it's normally like arugula, baby kale, spinach. Maybe you have a mixed spring greens collaboration going on. Here in Portugal, they had baby um, acelga, I'm saying it in Spanish, baby chard. They had baby pea shoots. They had spinach and arugula, I believe. I might be missing one. And it was the most delightful little mix. Oh, it also had shredded beets and carrots. So it was great for using as like a raw salad or I would stir fry it up and it could just be a bunch of delicious vegetables. So going to grocery stores in foreign countries feels so inspiring and just collecting a few simple things. I noticed this trip, I went overboard. I bought too much too fast. I was like, we need to stock up our fridge so we just have everything there. And it's like, you can always go back to the supermarket for more, especially when traveling less is always more because you don't want to feel burdened by things that you bought. So this trip, we got some quinoa, we got some eggs, we got a few different veggies and um, some granola and yogurt and berries for the morning. Now I shared this on the Center in the City TikTok account. Yes, we have a TikTok account about some Airbnb hacks where if you get an Airbnb that doesn't have olive oil, doesn't have salt, it doesn't have all the accoutrement you need for cooking, to spend money on them and maybe only use it for three or four days, it can be really frustrating. So I tried to be strategic about what sort of condiments I'm buying that support the cooking that I'm doing, even though I know I'm not doing that much cooking. So olive oil for me is always a necessity. Lemons are great because you can add them for hot water lemon. Also using lemon juice in just regular water is delightful and delicious to keep you hydrated. I don't buy spices while I'm traveling, so I'll buy fresh garlic to use. It's just so good for you. It tastes so good. I'll use it chopping up for eggs or for stir fries. Also, we tend to buy a bottle of wine at the store to enjoy at home for nights that we're not going out or, you know, little appetizers. And I will use a little bit of wine, white or red wine, to saute onions or mushrooms or add some sort of flavor instead of buying extra sauces that I don't need the whole bottle of like soy sauce or teriyaki sauce or aminos. Then making quinoa is a really great basic protein grain to have on hand. Now is it local to say in this country that I'm in? No, it's a staple from my home diet that I'm bringing into my travel life to create some sort of stability amongst all the rich flavors that we're having. Also, we tend to eat mostly vegetarian at home. So when we're traveling, we will eat meat 
And so it's nice to balance out some veggie options while we're staying at an Airbnb. Now, a lot of people come back from vacation being like, oh, we just drank and ate so much. We need to not eat forever. And it's like, I welcome you to not do that to yourself, right? Where we can find a little balance. We don't have to go in these balls to the wall extremes. Like I'm on vacation. There are no rules to then living at home where we're like super constrained with rules. Something that helps me while traveling is to think about portion control. A lot of the time I'm walking a lot and so I am really hungry when I'm traveling. However, like having too heavy of a meal for lunch or for dinner, I'm just more conscious of it because we're kind of eating along the way all day, trying new things, walking into this shop, walking into that shop. So something that I'm mindful of is, is splitting an entree with my partner if I can. If I'm traveling alone, either getting more of an appetizer size meal or enjoying the entree and eating as much of it as I want and taking the rest to go, whether that's I'm going to eat that the next day for lunch or maybe give it to somebody who's on the street. But there's ways that we can enjoy food but not overindulge. And finding that balance for ourselves is the key. And that's where we get to practice mindful eating and slowing down to just notice the signs and signals of our body when we're full or when we want more or what part of our body is hungry and wanting more or what part of our body is feeling full. Also, one of the beautiful aspects of traveling to different countries is experiencing the culture's own relationship to food. One of the things I fell in love with when being in Argentina was food was about community and family and about connecting with a friend. It wasn't the main thing. And yet food is also so culturally important. And when eating, there was time to eat. It was take a lunch hour, really enjoy a real lunch. Don't hurry back to your desk like we have in American culture, North American culture. Wrapping up this section around nourishment, I really welcome you to let the environment in which you're traveling in be your inspiration. If you're traveling maybe somewhere local or someplace that you have a really hard time eating what they eat because of your own food restrictions or uh, necessities, whether you're gluten-free or vegetarian or vegan, you're going to have to do a little bit more digging and strategizing and planning to make sure that you're nourished if you notice the environment around you is not supportive. That does take more intentional searching out and planning ahead or cooking more and having prepared things on hand ready to go. But when you're traveling somewhere abroad and someplace that you are inspired by the culture, I really welcome you to let it in through the lens of food and nourishment. So this brings us to our third section around rituals and itineraries when traveling. When designing a trip before even purchasing tickets, I asked myself, what's the intention of this trip? For instance, if going to this wedding in Portugal, it was merely just to go to the wedding and be in a celebration, great, that would that would be the intention. But we knew because it was a big flight, it was a big investment of time and energy, we wanted to take advantage of being in that part of the world. We expanded our vision to 
think about how do we get to work and play while being abroad. And so that was our intention. And so creating an intention helps to create a focus. Like sometimes the intention of a trip is purely vacation, is purely play and rest. So starting with that intention can help you shape how much time do I want to spend in each place or do I want an Airbnb or a hotel? Do I want to plan this trip solo? Do I want to be with my partner or invite a friend or a group of people? It helps to shape and shift our ideas. Since our intention was to work and play, we knew we wanted to have a lot of Airbnbs because we wanted to have some space to spread out for calls and for podcast recording and for working and meeting with clients. So that was part of the structure that then came into place. And we also knew because we were on the road a lot that we were going to want to cook and we were going to want some place to do laundry. So having an Airbnb was really essential. Now, if you're looking for trips of how to work and play, finding a place that has good Wi-Fi is a must. Check the comments. You can even reach out to the host of the Airbnb, but verify the strength of the Wi-Fi to the best of your ability. We luckily didn't have any issues when we were in Portugal and everything really worked out great. Like everything in life, balancing freedom and intuition with structure can be really helpful when traveling. What I mean by this is to have certain things planned or scheduled can be helpful. Again, thinking about which cities you want to visit or places you want to go and to have your reservations for lodging set up is definitely very helpful. I know also some people that love to just wing it. They allow themselves just to land in a spot and then just intuition take it day by day. And I say, kudos to you. I need a little bit more structure in how I travel. I also know people on the other side of the spectrum that try to plan every day and every minute because they want to make and juice the most out of it. And I say kudos to you too for doing all of that research. To me, I can sometimes just feel like over scheduling takes the intuitive inspiration out. It's nice to know like what museums I might want to go to or what are some major attractions in the city or what food are they known for that might be something I want to search out and try. But I try not to squeeze it too tight. For me, what I love about traveling is the people watching, just the savoring, the architecture, the walking around, the absorbing of the culture on the streets. But again, this is where your structure gets to support your intention. So whatever intention you create will inspire and inform the structure that your trip takes. So you get to make it your own. Working and playing this trip, we maintained East Coast Pacific hours as best as we could. And so we'd get up, we'd enjoy the morning, do an excursion, maybe have lunch out. And then we'd come back and work from about 2 p.m. to 9 p.m. at night, sometimes later, sometimes again, little makeshift chunks here and there, depending on meetings. But it was a fun way to be able to get out and enjoy and then also come back and ground into things that we care about, our jobs, and keep them moving forward. Something that I discovered on this trip is that 
I can't spend many days visiting a city as a tourist. So it was actually really nice to have the balance of work because we'd go out, we'd play, and then we'd come back to a home base and work. And it felt more like I was living in Lisbon versus just being a visitor there to gobble up all of the sights and scenes right there. Sometimes I can have a hard time with traveling when we as humans become such experience snatchers where we just want to see that church or see that museum or have that best ice cream and take a picture of it and say we've done it and it becomes a box that we check. When we can get into habits like that of traveling, it feels like, again, we're just checking off boxes versus fully immersing ourselves in life and being present in the moment. On Instagram, I received some questions around best practices when traveling alone, which I think is a really great question. For me, it's been a few years since I've traveled alone. However, what I loved to do and what I still love to do, even with my partner or whoever I might be traveling with, is to bring my journal. And my journal becomes my traveling partner. So if I take myself out on an excursion, walking around a neighborhood or going to a museum, I will slow down time and give myself permission to sit at a cafe and take my journal out and journal what's present for me or people watching. My journal becomes a sweet companion that I get to share the experience with. For women traveling alone, I know it can be particularly anxiety-provoking to think about safety and security. If you are somebody who has wanted to travel more but has felt anxious to go solo, a few recommendations to play with. One, you could start to gain your confidence by traveling somewhere new but a little stretchy. So what I mean by that is if you've never left the country, maybe your first trip isn't somewhere outside of the country, but maybe it's to a new state. Maybe you're going to visit a friend in a new city. Do something that feels a little stretchy, but also familiar. The next thing I would recommend is to sign up for a retreat or a guided group experience so that there's structure, you know where you're meeting people and there's an itinerary and somebody's handling maybe all of the transportation and all of the logistics so that you feel a little bit more held in the container of going abroad and having an adventure. And if you're somebody who's not necessarily feeling anxious about traveling alone but hasn't done it and wants to do it, I say give yourself full permission to do it. Maybe find a course or a class you want to take somewhere so it creates a little bit of community. Otherwise, just give your heart and soul permission to wander and explore and you never know who you're going to meet or you can always put out a call to your friends of, hey, do you know anybody that lives in Paris or lives in Buenos Aires or lives in Colombia? You can reach out to your community to get inspiration for potential people to meet up with. If I was traveling alone, I'd definitely upgrade my cell plan to international so that I would feel comfortable to call somebody at any time, any place. Whereas when I'm traveling with my husband right now, 
we try to stay budget and scrappy and only use our phones when in Wi-Fi, which is also a really beautiful practice because it helps us feel way more present and disconnected from the text messaging world or social media world when we're not in Wi-Fi. Another great tip, whether traveling alone or with somebody, is to learn at least a few main words of the language of where you're traveling to. So for instance, neither my husband and I know any Portuguese. However, my husband was doing some Duolingo and we knew a few words from traveling to Brazil years ago. But being able to say, follow inglés or español, like do you speak Spanish or English, can be a helpful way to engage people for communication instead of just speaking English at them. Or, you know, asking some simple questions or learning how to say thank you or please can be a really beautiful sign of respect when visiting somebody's country. I think sometimes Americans specifically, I'm going to call us out, just assume everybody knows English and we just kind of bulldoze our way when traveling. And so being respectful of where we're going and even just taking some time and intentional effort to learn a few words is a really beautiful gesture of honor and respect. Part of traveling is we are leaving our bubbles, right? We are leaving our routines. We are leaving our structure that we're in in the day-to-day. We get to see things and see life and see ourselves from a different angle, a different experience. So I think there's such beauty in giving ourselves permission to not have the same structure that we do at home when it comes to ritual building. However, there are also certain rituals and practices that I know I do on a regular basis that I want to travel with me. For instance, I don't want to travel and say effort to movement or my meditation practice. Those are so essential to keeping me feeling my best and keeping me feeling strong and keeping my body pain-free. So I really make it a point to bring those rituals into my life while I am on the road. Again, they're going to look different, but they're still really important for me to integrate. So I shared this a lot on Instagram over the trip that I was really into sound meditation. I was recognizing that when I would sit to just practice connecting to my breath, it was challenging. I was feeling a lot of antsy energy and it was hard to find the stillness. But what actually grabbed my attention and what I used as my anchor was sound. And it was a really beautiful practice to listen to sound and focus on sound in a new city or new environment because I got to know the space a little bit more. I got to hear the trolley outside. I got to hear people walking on the street. I got to hear the sound of cobblestones against the wheels of cars, which is very different from where I live. I got to hear birds and different languages. So it was such a beautiful experience to really feel grounded in this new place and space. Sound meditation isn't my typical practice when I'm at home. 
But that's the beautiful thing of being present. When we're present, we can start to tune into how, what's calling us right now. And I understand that might be a little bit more of a advanced awareness. Sometimes there can just be so much we could practice. We get into analysis paralysis and it shuts us down. So that's where it can be helpful to lean into the practices that you know support you. Or if you're a Centered in the City member, you get to open up the platform and have those meditations right there at your fingertips to intuitively choose what's going to serve you in that moment or based on how much time you have. So when we get to use those practices to keep us grounded, it's really helpful because I felt like myself while traveling. I didn't feel like a chicken running around with its head cut off. I got to calm my anxiety and feel really present. Another ritual I brought along was, of course, Matt Pilates because wherever you go, there you are, there's your body. And I brought along with me my Balo one pound weights as well as a band. And I loved using the different movement practices on Centered in the City. My favorite one that I had forgotten about was wall Pilates. So for those that aren't members, wall Pilates is using the wall as a form of feedback for engaging our core. And yes, we also use the mat and the ground, but we use the wall as a different form of how we can work with our body and our powerhouse against gravity. So it's really powerful and was really helpful in finding my posture while traveling, finding more length in my spine, helping release some lower back tension I felt from all the sitting on the plane. So I really loved that practice. And if you want to check it out for yourself, you can sign up for your seven-day free trial if you're not already a Centered City member and check that Pilates flow out. I'll link it in the show notes. And of course, you have all of the other hundreds of guided movement practices as well. Now, of course, when you're visiting cities, you end up walking like minimum 15,000 steps a day, which is beautiful, but it also gets really tiring. And I noticed my feet were so sore. I brought with me my yoga tune-up balls, which are these small myelofascia release balls that are really great to use on feet, on calves, on your shoulders, on your glutes, like anywhere in your body, on your IT bands, you can use them anywhere. But those are parts of my body that got really tight and it was nice to have some support of how to release that tightness. I'd also put my legs up the wall after a long day just to help release the fluid and the swelling that would happen and that would always feel really good. That was part of kind of a wind down before bed. I will pause here with traveling tips. I feel like I could keep going on, but I feel like there's a lot that I shared here today, and I'm sure you all have so much wisdom to share as well. So feel free to comment, email, join us on social media to continue this conversation of how we get to practice staying centered while traveling, while on the go while exploring and having adventures or maybe working, also playing, resting, all of the above. Thank you as always for being here and until next time, stay centered.